Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Yas here. And I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask. And that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that's at The Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Lee Rostrin. Morning, Lee. How are you, man? I'm good. It's very early, us, as you know. So I'm. Uh, I've got my coffee here, but in looking looking forward to the chat. Likewise, likewise. I'm not even got my coffee. It's too early for me right now. But um, Lee, let's just dive straight in. Who are you, and what do you do? I'm. Um, I guess I'm a football coach um, first and foremost, and it's something I've been doing for the past like eighteen years through. Um, grassroots and and into the professional game really and it's something you know that I just enjoy I love doing and it it, it gets me out of bed love to hear it and also getting you out of bed is, is, is always being on the <laughs> podcast so um just just on that though, you know you talked there about first and foremost being a being a football coach you know you've been doing it for a number of years you mentioned obviously gone through different stages of the game in terms of the levels that you've worked at probably similar to me and like probably majority of everyone that's listening to this right now you're doing it because you love the game um but what was it about coaching that hit you know got you got you got you hooked in I think um probably more um by accident than design really um I my son was like playing under sevens football um didn't really have like a coach for that age group and it was kind of like you've played a little bit of football um <laughs> which was like the number one sort of driver to to put someone forward I guess so yeah it, a little bit um 
by fault more than design and I got into it that way and you know it it just kind of like snowballed from there um I think his his team went through under sevens under eights and then by the time they got to under nines uh four of the seven players had signed for for Peterborough United's academy um including my son and I thought that that was it that was the end of my coaching career, I guess, but um, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to uh, be offered some work with a community scheme, uh, football in the community as it was then, where it was just a bag of footballs and an office, um, perhaps one laptop and, you know, going out and going into the schools and delivering some football sessions. So from there I got into to doing the level one qualification and um yeah it was it was like a part-time job that slowly overtook my full-time job so you know it's, it's quite interesting because obviously the number of coaches I've spoken to on this podcast and just in general really just through my work and how many of them have come back to that kind of a uh, similar start in the fact that it was never planned yeah. It was never planned, you know, and, I'm, and I, I happen to be one of those. So, you know, going into it now, and it's interesting because obviously you're, you've gone in as a parent at that stage as well. How, how did that, how did that shape your um, shape your perceptions of what coaching should look like, and even maybe how empathetic you became towards coaches in the, <laughs> when you finally got into it yourself? I think you understand a lot um, from being on both sides of the fence as well, especially like watching sons go through academy football. Um, two, two of my sons both went through it. And then also being involved in that, you understand why the parents do what they do um, because because they care, because they have like, their own thoughts and opinions that stem from like perhaps being a grassroots uh, coach manager themselves. And yeah I say it was just it you know it wasn't planned it it just happened through that and um I'd always um loved football as sense like sort of playing it never had like any like great career like like most people that come on don't know <laughs> you know I think it it stems you perhaps to get into coaching early or in your 20s and I think it takes so long doesn't it to to you know progress as a coach and that the earlier you can get into it the better and I guess if you you know you concentrate just playing into your sort of mid-30s you perhaps don't have the same opportunities to to start as early and, and gain the experience and make all the mistakes and and to learn um mm -hmm. but yeah I think very similar to, to a lot of people sort of just got into it that way but loved it um and I guess like in terms of like what I thought a coach would be, you, you don't really have any idea. I think you just, and, I, and again, when I think back to sort of, you know, what you were like as a coach at under eights and things like that, and it's pretty cringeworthy, I think now, where you think like winning's like the all important thing and and that and over development. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey for sure. It's interesting because obviously within that, you know, you talk there about, you know, having a, a benefit and a positive uh, learning from both sides of the equation, obviously being the coach and then being the parent. I think, you know, and I'm reading in between the lines of what you said, and I kind of think it kind of aligns with um, my own views in that 
it's very rare you find a parent that doesn't care. It's very rare that you find a parent that isn't just trying to help in a way that they feel like might be the best and only way to help. Um, so in, and so, and often is maybe down to a lack of education on how best to support the young players and the young and and and, and the, on their on their journeys and even maybe just even if coaches could understand that piece a little bit more and do a little bit more. And it's interesting. I was having a conversation with someone recently. We need to move away from the idea of looking at it as dealing with parents, but almost working with parents we could actually get so much more out of that process for the players. Yeah, definitely. I think you need to like keep them involved in it. And I think when they're, when you treat parents like um, they're in the dark and, you know, stand on that side of the fence, don't ask any questions and that, then that's probably when you're going to find that you probably get more issues. I mean, when you involve them in what you're doing, share like your syllabuses, um, I've I've even worked um, in an environment where I used to share the session plans with them. So again, it was good to like for the players to have a look at it um, and get an idea of what they're going to do before the evening. But the parents could also look at it and like, all oh, right, you're doing that. That's what you're trying to get out of it. Because that's when you get problems on the match day when they look at it and like, you know, the team's trying to like build out from the back and they think, well, why don't they not like just playing that one forward there? It's because like that's what you've worked on in training, so you're going to work on it within the game day as well. So as well, and and like match day packs, I guess as well, and like you know, letting them know what the objectives are for that game will like give them more mm. of an insight and and the wires to to what you're doing. Just building on that, then you know, you talked there about match day packs. What what would you include in yours? I think probably like the shape that you're playing, the starting um team i think you'd have like challenges like in and out of possession um again for like older ones you might like include set pieces and stuff so they know where they where they should be um obviously top end not not talking like under 11s there but just like a little bit of information about like what's what to expect on a match day i think that's important because it's all all part of the learning i think sometimes the mistake can happen when when coaches separate training and the match day it's it's all one thing isn't it it's just another training session really isn't it to mm. to learn from and obviously that you you know you're suggesting that a match match pick is for the players as much as it is for the parents as well because obviously the parents can have an insight on what's going on as well right yeah and it it gives them like that insight and it involves them in it so they know what to expect because I think we've probably all been there, haven't we, where like parents are shouting out instructions and, and whatnot, but they don't know what you're asking from those players. But if you don't verbalise that to the parents, then how will they know? They're just sort of guessing. And again, they're left in the dark then, aren't they? Because they're not included in the process. So the, the best way to um, work with parents is to engage them in, in what you're doing. So just, just obviously beyond match packs and thing you know and having those initial conversations what else would a coach do what else would you suggest coaches do to engage the parents because obviously like i said this is probably one of the most common challenges that a lot of coaches have and a lot of it could be just through the lack of understanding actually we just need to involve them a little bit more but how, how would you go about doing that done things in the past as well where we've done like similar to this um 
not not a podcast but like obviously gone on to an online call and delivered like presentations around like the syllabus um tell them about how we coach how we try and like work with the players through training um what sort of practices they're going to be doing and why um those kind of like things have been like really beneficial because again it's engaging them to to what we're actually like trying to do so they're not just stood outside the fence thinking why they're doing this well they, mm. they know and again like you're not going to get everyone like join on the call because um, some some parents you know they just want to bring their kids and, and go away and and do something else um but others are like you know especially the ones that have come from perhaps being a like a grassroots coach um of their son's team you know they find it interesting because they want to learn themselves and perhaps maybe still coaching so mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like an extra little coaches club for for parents Mm. You, you do find that a lot, don't you, when you, you know, where the coaches um, started their journey because they are the parent of a child in the team and the, the kid is either moved on or they're no longer playing and it's like the, the coach is stuck, they can't get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they caught the bug, like, and it's like a, it's permanent, like, I was, I was speaking to a coach, I was delivering a course the other day and I said, yeah, you know, I got into coaching because my son was playing and, you know, he stopped playing five years ago and I'm still stuck here coaching. And yeah. It's like, it's, 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 it's crazy because obviously we all get it in some way, shape or form in that respect. So let's go back, let's go back to, you know, your journey. Then, you know, you talked there, you know, you mentioned you've worked with your kids team. You then ended up work doing some community-based work, with, I'm presuming with Peterborough, is that right? It was, yeah. Yeah. How does the journey develop from there? What, what happens next? So uh, from there, like we relocated from like Peterborough to like Lincolnshire um, and we sort of lived there for like 11 years. So I'd um, been working in a completely different industry, but I was doing more and more um, coaching, like going into schools and, and that kind of stuff. So the decision was like when we moved to have a complete life change and um, I, I started my own sort of coaching company. So I'd gone up there and started like speaking to schools and getting in there and and delivering like some sort of PE um, after school clubs and, and holiday clubs. And I did that for for like um, best part of a year before Lincoln City sort of approached me and, and offered me a role um, where I took my schools into them. But it gave me more security of having like a sort of full time wage um, that you, you don't get when you're self-employed. So yeah I went into there um doing community stuff I was running like football development centers um I was running a social inclusion project and just delivering like general um PPA cover in schools and then um had the opportunity about six months into that to go and work in the center of excellence as it was then so yeah it was uh, a very different beast from like the triple p academies that you see now it was um a lot lot more basic i think there was like one person who used to run the 18s and uh perhaps a secretary and and that was about it um mm. the coaches kind of had a lot of uh freedom to perhaps like perhaps too much freedom to to go off piece at times but they were um sort of organizing their own games and, and all sorts but that was that was great um so that was like my first sort of experience of like elite football 
at Lincoln City. And then I was there for about three and a half years at Lincoln. And then I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to come work for the FA Skills programme. So the FA Skills programme was like a five to 11 like initiative to get into, um, get into primary schools, upskilling teachers, working with grassroots clubs in the evenings, um, and also like running um, development centres as well. So it was a fantastic opportunity. Uh, within that, I managed to get into like some more coach education. So um, I started delivering like level one and level twos. And then from there, um, unfortunately, the programme came to an end after about five years and there was probably about 150 of us that were made redundant from from the FA at the time and um, I managed to get primary primary stars role at Gainsborough Trinity which was there for about five months before uh, finding a role at Scunthorpe as the foundation phase lead and I think it, it it kind of fitted into my experiences of five to elevens and that and yeah I was there for for another like three and a half years um before relocating again to Derbyshire and then from there I went um into to Warsaw as like the head of coaching and um spent 18 months there so yeah very enjoyable yeah, it, it, ups a, and downs <laughs> there's a there's a lot in there and I'm thinking about where to start, really. I mean, let's go right back to the top of it. You ended up at Lincoln City Centre. You know, you talked about there, you mentioned about the Centre of Excellence. You've had experiences, you know, from that to now where you've had, you know, been in, in, in and around the EPPP. Biggest pros and cons for you? Uh, of the EPPP? Um, I think... I think it's it's good that it's it's got loads of sort of guidance um, as to to what they want you to do. Probably for me, too much in terms of um, the work that they want, especially at, at Cat Three. I think it's sometimes like possibly unrealistic what they want you to try and fit in. Um, with with the number of staff that you've got because you know it, in a cat one and cat two you've got so many more sort of staff that can try and like meet all the order requirements i think when you're at cat three you, you find yourself really stretched you know you can be like uh washing kits doing like dbs checks and you know all, all various kind of like different roles that are um taking you taking you away from like perhaps like the fundamental parts of, of your job as like running a football program. Um I think the E Triple P like it's obviously like push development of players forward and and also like qualifications. I think there's a big workforce out there now that's a lot more qualified than it was before the E Triple P came in. Um a lot more funding out there um for for coaches to sort of access courses and that through you know your, your transfer levies and whatnot mm. um yeah, just just on that really quickly Lee, though yeah, you mentioned there about coaches being more qualified and in a topic of debate and conversation that i've had with a few coaches recently is 
that qualifications versus experience piece. Mm. Coaches might might be getting more qualified today than they were maybe a few years back. Um, but I I question, are they as experienced? I think um, possibly not. I think um, when I think back, it was, you know, if you had a B licence, you were seen as this like guru of like football coaching. Um, now, lots of people have a B licence. So I think there's a lot more sort of B licence coaches. Now, whether that's a good thing, um, whether it is more that the qualify they've got, forward to the qualification quicker perhaps than like spending less time on the well, grass I, I think by, by nature obviously as time goes on people are going to get there is going to be more people with the qualification right yeah i think i think the, i think the challenge isn't or well, how many people have got it it's has the quality sus- been sustainable mm. what are your thoughts on that I think like it, you could almost look at it and like sometimes like the A license is perhaps what the B license used to be. Um, it's you know if you're a B license an A license coach, it's probably like a similar standard to what the B license would be. So it's just moved like the standards probably like um, I don't want to say lower, but like I, I find that when interviewing coaches coming in. You know, you look at like the CV and you see that there's a B license there for for a part time role, and you think you're expecting in your head like a sort of a standard of what they'll be like, and then if you find that you know they're nowhere near that, you sort of question like how they got a B license. But it's again, it's um, another thing I find though with sometimes with coaches is that they're so keen to jump through the qualifications without having the time on the grass so for me you know you do a qualification you need to spend a couple of years at least trying to embed what you got from that course do you think there's any correlation with that in the fact that on my observations and experience uh this the the, the generation of coaches seems to be getting younger and younger Mm. yeah definitely it does um and and you know, I'm kind of like looking around now, sort of looking over my shoulder and seeing that, you know, I've got a few sort of grey hairs and it's it's almost sometimes that you can get to a position um, and almost perhaps like looked as if like maybe you're too old to do that sort of position. Like, mm. are you too old to ever too old to be a foundation phase coach? Does, does it have to be a young person? Yeah, you know, because it's seen as like sort of a, you know, when, when you speak of like the professional game, they always talk about like, oh, it's a young manager or something. This and that yeah. it seems like sexy, doesn't it? That, and you know, there's a lot of like younger people coming in straight from like sort of university and that, but without perhaps having the real um, time on the grass. And that's the only, that's the thing that's going to get you to where you want to be. There's no shortcuts for it for me. Yeah, you've got to like just be um, willing to to work and coach pretty much every night of the week and and that and make all your mistakes and don't even think about your next sort of qualification until you know you're really embedded in what you've taken off off your last course because mm. it, it, there's just that sort of and I, I sometimes perhaps going back to what you're saying about e triple p 
people seem to want to rush from B license to A license because that will get them the full time role within academy football. Whereas like they're going, well, if I for many B licenses, I can't go on to that course. Yeah. I can't sorry get that role because the requirement is I need the A license or AYA. So yeah. there's there's that rush there, isn't it, for for them to like try and get into the positions that that they want to be in or where they see themselves. What what are your thoughts in, t- in terms of how the courses have transitioned from being a, you know essentially like a final assessment piece to now an ongoing piece? Um, do I, I know like people always talk and they'll go, oh, it's it's different. Um, when I did my B license, it was like the old school one where you all went on the course, you all ran around in each of the session. If you had the graveyard shift, the graveyard shift, you were like, you were stuck really because with people that couldn't run. Um, and then perhaps like your session wouldn't look as good for the assessors. Um, it, it was a little bit manufactured, I guess. I, for, for me, um, when I did my A licence, it was the sort of new style with in-situ visits and that. And for me, that, that works better because it's in their own yeah. environment. It's not a manufactured environment. It's done over a period of time where they can go, listen, you, you're meeting all the requirements now for a B licence, A licence coach. Um, happy to sign you off and it's not the yeah. it's not the end of it is it you don't like yeah. stop and go well, I, mean, I'm, I mean i'm a little bit conflicted really because um you know similar to how you've just described your journey mine quite similar it did b license old format um and in fact the a license i was on the first a license of the, the whole new yeah. process um i was on the pilot of that in fact and um i think there is you know some merit in what you're saying in that you know, over a period of time with a session requirements your competencies but and i'm not saying every session is going to be a perfect session right mm. but surely there's got to be some merit in being able to say actually you you hit that you hit the nail on the head on that one one off, one off pressures on you still delivered yeah I, I guess so like you know pressure of like sort of doing it but are you ever like in a training session are you ever in a pressured environment i don't know you are on a match well day. i think if you go back to what you what you said a few moments ago um in comparing what the a license is now maybe what the b license mm. was coming through my journey and this is the way that i reflected on it and kind of packaged it is if you're like level one for me was well you're working with 25 percent of the game yeah level two you're working with 50 percent of the game mm-hmm UA for B was 75% of the game. A license was 100% of the game. Yeah. In terms of numbers, right? Yeah. And that's just how I kind of packaged it in my head. And then obviously yeah. pro license is managing the whole the whole the whole shebang. Yeah. Um whereas I get that you're not always going to be in a situation where you're managing those 22 players on a pitch and you've got that access. But I think the thing that really took I took away from the whole experience of my journey and what it was going into the A license for me was it wasn't just about the numbers and then having that situation to go back to and coach within 22 players and the full 11 v 11 stuff that was just part of it but it was also the level of detail that you go into within your coaching as well mm. i.e your technical tactical information and I was having a conversation with one of my mates the other day about this um 
You might you might even know him, Neil Neil Harding. Uh, I know of him, but I don't. Yeah, I've never met him. So me, yeah. me and Neil, me and Neil were catching up a few days back, and then we were just talking about this, and it's like the difference between an A license session mm. and an 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 A license detail. Yeah, right. And I think there's two fundamental things for me which might have been lost in this transition period of coaching qualifications and and the way and the way way things have ended up is it used to be in my opinion seen as a license 11 v 11 qualification yeah right um therefore there is an expectation on you being able to actually manage that big piece yeah but also the recognition and understanding you're not always going to get that you still need to be getting to a certain level of finer technical detail within what you're doing um which i don't think exists anymore in my opinion and then that understanding of, I think, one of the benefits that have come from the transition period of coach education, where coach development is today, is there isn't an A license practice. No, oh, it's no. just a practice for practice sake. Uh, it's yeah. relevant and it's, it's it's beneficial when it's uh, bespoke and individualized and tailored to the to the needs of wherever mm. it is that you're working. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and I've heard the term as well that you're an a, a level four thinker in terms of like the planning of of your session and like the detail that you put into it and i think like even like within a a 1v1 you can have like your a license detail that's not there in perhaps like a ua for c even b license coach in in terms of like thinking of like the before during and after of what the players are doing in that 1v1 and including all that sort of detail in it because there's so much to like unpick with like in even within that the that would be seen as like your your a license sort of coach i think like you know you're saying like with um going out and assessing and in situ visits rather that perhaps like perhaps for like the tutor there's there's almost like a point where listen i've seen you like eight nine times i'm feeling a little bit sorry for you now i'm gonna sign you off because how many times can you keep saying you haven't passed the qualification or you've you've not got there yet where yeah i guess that the pros of like the old one was that you know you're a pass or a fail if you were a fail you could go to reset and i like i know so many coaches that failed on the b license and that was it they gave up you know i'm not saying but, they gave up coaching but they didn't think you know i'll just leave it and be a level two coach and like I said, I see the merit and the benefit of, of having that in situ pathway. I'm not saying I'm against it at all. But I'm definitely not saying mm. that. But just as you've described it, right, there will come a time where some people fall into that into that position. Well, you see yeah. it, and, I, and I've and I've been there firsthand, and I've even seen and identified it firsthand. I think to myself, there's no way that your this this person has met the requirements. But I can clearly see that you're feeling sorry for them. Yeah, and it's almost and, as if like you you've passed don't even think about the next one because <laughs> this is where you're at just go and work and work and work and work but they, but, but it, it, often they don't listen anyway no no um, that's that's a tough one but I mean even when I think like when did I pass my A license probably like four or five years ago when I think like how I've developed as a coach since then I've, I've I feel like in myself that I've got so much better as a coach 
like but I, I was like signed off as an AI coach but you don't stop do you you don't stop learning or, or getting better mm. it's just like it's just to say that you're at this level now you're meeting the requirements but you can still get better and still yeah. learn and, and improve and I think another really important piece to remember as well and it, it is when you're on that qualification and it's interesting because I've, I've been speaking I'm, I'm, just to give a bit more context around what I do, I do working a lot around coach development coach mentoring myself and there's several coaches I'm supporting at the moment who are on a B license qualification, but I already assume themselves as B license coaches. Yeah. And it's almost right, like, well, yeah. no, you're not there yet. No. That's why you're on the course. Mm. Um, and it's kind of similar to what you've just said, right? You might be signed off as a minimum requirement of what might be expected at that level, but you're just only scratching the surface. Yeah. It's only now four or five years on, like you described, where you really feel like, actually, probably I probably am at that level now. Yeah, justified. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, I remember doing the A license, and um, this there was a coach that came to like observe. He, he wanted to get on the course, but obviously we we all know how hard it is to get on the A license. He wanted, he came and like observed, and he was sort of stood watching stuff and in discussions with us, and he was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing. This this you know this is blowing my mind," sort of thing. And I think like if you're if you're thinking that about the next qualification then it's probably not you're probably not ready to go on it anyway so you know because people sometimes go well i didn't learn all that much from this and that well that's because you're probably at that level of coach from your experiences and your time on the grass that that's where you're sort of gearing up to this is just going to refine some bits that we want you to like know about or you've got an enormous ego <laughs> yeah <laughs> because, and it, it does happen it does happen i mean you know, yeah. we oh, talk all the time about you know some key things that are fundamental in universal like you know that the principles of play and things. i remember i remember once you know i was listening on listening to a conversation with a couple of coaches and you know i think one of the coaches must have asked that one year so what are your thoughts on the principles of play and i think the response was something along the lines of yeah i, I get them you know but they're, they're not for me so well, oh, okay. you haven't got a choice. <laughs> that's what the game's built on. That, that's the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 this is this is what I mean. Like, and it's why are you here then? Mm. And, and it, it, then it comes back to well, what's the purpose of the qualification, right? And it's it's interesting because obviously you mentioned that you know you you'd been to Lincoln and then eventually began you started you start you know then you went to the FA Skills program and obviously began your journey as a coach educator from there. Mm. Let's talk about that a little bit. What 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 were some of the challenges that exist within your experience as a coach educator? Oh, uh, I think um, you have like, a, especially like starting out level one. Obviously, it's now now changed, doesn't it? It's online and an introductory to football. I think there were with level one, there were people that didn't want to be there. Almost, it was like. They're doing perhaps their son's coaching their son's team, and it was like I have to be here because the club's making me be here to get the qualification. I know it all anyway because, like I said, I've got a massive ego, and there's nothing you can teach me about it. I'm getting under eights, like uh, running round, running round, like touching a tree, like half a mile away, and and you know it's that kind of thing. So, but then again, on 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 the flip side, you have ones that were like really engaged with it so it was yeah definitely like level one was as a, a mixed bag of people that wanted to be there and learn and ones that just 
felt they had to be there. Um, and I guess like when you got to like level two or your for C as it is now, it's more so the ones that that want to be there, that want to learn, want to develop as a coach, enjoy coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they they were all in situ visits. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba and that as well so yeah it's uh yeah i mean i think my experience is probably more of like sort of seeing coaches coming into to a system through coach education as what you know more so than seeing sort of problems that were that were in it um my, my only um regret is like the youth award modules i thought they were great i loved them um excellent courses module one two three um and you know you'll probably know more so more than me about um is any of that information still in there or, or is yeah, it prob- like probably, lot, probably not so much in down the version because i thought like you know from older coaches point of view that went through that system it gave you it gave you so much in your mm. toolbox um and, and whether that still exists within like the normal strand i i think i think you'll find elements of that in the b license um mm. less so in the uafc because obviously you know we'd gone from having what was maybe a, a five six day level two course then to eventually a 10 day course where it was incorporated within that and now the uafc stripped right back to six days again so I think it's it's difficult to find really the time to give it justice. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think spot on. I think the youth, I think the youth mods were brilliant. Um, and obviously part of the reason why they brought it all together in the first place because there was a lot of gripe wasn't there at the time in that. More well, than a second, you're telling us to coach this way over here, and you're teaching us to coach this mm. way over here, and it's almost like, well, if I coach this way on when I did my level two, well, you're going to fail me. Um. So yeah. there was that, there was that contradictory piece. So I think that bit definitely needed addressing. I don't know whether they addressed it mm. in the right way or whether they just um, they probably could have just said, right, here's some top up knowledge and experience. Yeah. And but we're going to assess you based on what we see. Yeah. Um, but then you know, I, I just made you think coming back to the point that you made a few moments ago about that in situ seven, eight, nine times because it does happen. It does. It does happen. Um, and you know, at some point, you know, you say feel sorry for the coach. At some point, it's the coach educator thinking, "Blimey, I don't want to come and see you again." Could be, can that? Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? And it does happen, and it's almost like I just want to get rid of you, just get you off, get you, off, get you out, get you out of the way. And yeah. Then it, then I guess in some respect, 
you've almost got to question it. I mean, I think what might be a good way to do it, and I'm just thinking about this out loud now as we, as we talk, is maybe go back to the final assessment piece, but actually there's a number of in-situ visits between then and you getting a secured place on the next qualification. Yeah. Where we yeah. assess whether you're actually ready to go onto it. And it's not ready to go onto it and pass, but it's ready to go onto it and you're delivering at a level where you're not going to be out of your depth. No, there used to be an A license prep course, didn't there? But but you, you I mean, there it was, was, it was a one day sort of thing, and it was almost it was like a taster session of what the A license will be. But I, I get what you're saying. The in situ visits would be like, yeah, and, and I guess, I guess like the logistics of that might be hard in terms of like coach educators to be able to, because uh, I, mean, well, I mean, don't they get loads of people like you know hundreds yeah, you, of people applying you, for the A you, license? You do. But I think I think one of the things that may, maybe that needs to be brought back into the process as well is the action planning. Yeah, because you know back when Makes I did my B lessons, I'm sure it was similar for you. You'd go and finish, and they say, right, go away and do X number of hours. Go away and do this, this, and this, and yeah. you then had to submit that action plan and the evidence to attach to it for the next course. Yeah, like have you have you done have you done what the action plan said? And if you haven't, where's the evidence to support that? You've gone down a different route with it, i.e., it says wait 12 months and get 50, you know, 100 hours. But actually, you've been working so hard that you've managed to get the 100 hours within six months, as an example. Yeah. If you can evidence that, I've done the hours and whatnot, but it wasn't the 12 months, it was six months, then that might be the caveat, right? But I think maybe potentially action planning needs to be brought back into the process. Um, uh, or more more specifically, the use of the action plan as part of the application process, because the same way, the same way that you've got everyone applying for the qualifications now, mm. I just think to myself, well, what what will be more efficient use of time? Could it be that rather than coaches coming out and seeing Lee six seven times, knowing that like this is just becoming a drag now? Yeah. If we know where Lee's at before he even starts the qualification, it might just be one visit rather than six visits. Yeah. And just saying, do you know what, Lee? You've, you, you know, you've had an institute visit off the back of completing your level two. You're getting ready to do the B licence. Um, here's some feedback. Here's an action plan. Go away and do this before you apply again. Yeah. I, I think that would be great. I think it, there's got to be some sort of way in like checks and balances like you say to make sure that you get the right people coming through for the qualification that have had the time on the grass the experience and that because you know like like we said there's so many that coaches that want to just fly through them now and it's just like it's almost like badge collecting well it's it's not about that it's like having the enjoyment of of learning and, mm. and getting there it's you know it's and i think like if you go through all your qualifications from from start to to beginning, I remember going on my A license, and they said like, um, "Put your hand up here if you know it's been five years since like you did your B license," and everyone's sort of hands up, and it's like I think you know it's it probably got average was around like nine ten years like in between, and when you when you think about it, you know the time. That you spent from when you perhaps did your first qualification to you know potentially like your last one you, when you reach the end of it it's like being a, a medical professional but perhaps without like the pay <laughs> you know it's uh there's a, there's a long time a lot of money spent on qualifications a lot of time spent um 
and again you know there's only limited roles within the football industry anyway that you know like we said the EPP, there's a lot more jobs out there now isn't there mm. positions that didn't exist um beforehand but you know it's um it's making sure that you know you people that are, are doing the the quals and that are the right standard to do them mm, 100% let's let's come back to you then early you know you um Began your journey as a coach educator. You obviously, you know, done the FA Skills program that eventually came to an end. Were you, were you part of it right to the end of it? Were you for the what? Sorry, the, for the, the skills program. Yeah, right, right until it sort of finished. Um, I say it was it was a good, you know, program. I think it had run for like eleven years. Uh, so I was like sort of coming in at the halfway stage where there was fifty of us that all came in, and then it, it finished up. Um, well, 2017 thing mm. but yeah it was i say it was a really good program and you were you know part of your role was doing what like the mentors do going into the grassroots clubs and supporting the grassroots coaches so you know you'd go into a, a club and you might see an fa mentor there working with with other coaches so there was a lot of people in and around mm. the club supporting and i don't know if that's sort of happening obviously like covid kiboshed a lot of it didn't it Mm. With, with people sort of unfortunately losing roles um but yeah it's you know you've got to be supported fa's got to be in there and, and supporting mm. grassroots coaches because we need to build from the base upwards really yeah, i'm opinion. just thinking about thinking out loud about what you've just said there and just imagining that for a lot of people, maybe going into that process of becoming a skills coach or even moving into the mentoring piece now and, and what it was just before COVID, you know, for a lot of it's probably a lot of prestige, obviously, working for the FA. Mm. Um, what, how, how, how would you describe, you know, the skill sets and the differences between obviously being the coach and the coach developer and then that of a mentor? Because, you know, fundamentally, they're all different things, right? Yeah, I always found that the best thing to do was to try and to get to know them as people i found there were times when you were allocated like a club and um you you might speak to them over the phone email and, and say that you're going to come in and work with so and so with their under 11s um and then when you come striding across the, the astroturf in your FA tracksuit there was almost like oh god what they, what are they doing here and it was a perception that they're coming in to to check on us um and make sure we're not doing anything wrong um so the the first thing was like breaking down the barriers and just having a chat with them basically like like you and me are now just getting to know them and trying to like gain a little bit of trust from them um and that was like your, your sort of way in because then you end up just talking football, talking discussions, maybe like challenging some of their views um, and then just getting into like observing their coaching and and, and what you can like try and um, enhance that they're good at and, and perhaps their areas of development, um, looking to, to try and like um, make them better, I guess. Um, at those areas and and uh, giving them support showing them some delivery and uh, some combined sort of coaching together so yeah there, there was elements of you know being a coach but but also it's ultimately like just 
trying to be a people person, isn't it? And mm. getting on with them. Because if you, you haven't got that, you haven't got anything with them. No, I think you're spot on. I think it's, it's just, even in my experience, I think one of the biggest things, and I was talking about this the other day, actually, that being, being a mentor is about, Sometimes it's not got nothing to do. It's not got nothing to do with football piece. No, just having a it's coffee. Just, and a, it's just having, yeah, exactly. Just having a chat and being a soundboard sometimes, right? And yeah. It's, it, and it's sometimes it's not even you offering ideas, but it's just you just challenging something sometimes. And it, it, and I mentioned this when I was speaking in the conversation the other day that sometimes the best mentors have got nothing to do with your industry. No. Because they'll ask you something with so much naivety around the subject. Well, why don't you just do this? And it's just like, well. Actually, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Do you know what I mean? And com- coming back to the qualifications and that, and, you know, how they used to be sort of failing, it was, you know, you need that bounce back ability. And that might come from, like, having a mentor and, and being able to, like, chat to someone because, you know, especially, like, coaching, it's all, it's all like, rise and fall. It's not a linear uh, progression, is it? Whether it's, like, mm. the qualifications or job roles, you know, sometimes you think, well, I'm doing really well at the minute. Other times, you know, oh, nothing's going right. And and it is, it's all rise and fall. And I think it's um, having a mentor and just someone, like I say, a sound piece, a sounding board, you know, is is what you want. Mm, 100%. So let's, let's, let's fast forward then, you know, obviously you, you talked about your most recent role being as a, a head of coaching at Walsall. Um, what was that like going into that environment? You know, what were some of the key challenges for you? What were some of the biggest learnings for you in that process um i think um it was there was a, a lot of learning um within a short space of time i think we were we were really busy trying to like improve the the coaching um standard of like the coaching from from what it was when uh, we came in there and i think um you know it's West Midlands is is a big area. There's a lot of coaches there. I think um, a lot of B licensed coaches there. And I think um, in comparison to like my previous role um, in Lincolnshire, where it's quite sparse, it you know there was a lot there was a lot of coaches to to draw upon for like roles. And again, going back to what we said, sometimes you'd interview coaches that were B licensed, and they met they they. Uh, meet the um, criteria of like EPP Academy um, but they weren't you know they weren't going to be good enough to help the players and you know but then on the other hand you we had like a level one coach and you're like you could be you could step into this role you know but he couldn't like get on the qualifications and there weren't, weren't enough courses um, for him to get onto it so yeah I think the challenge was like sort of look at um upskilling the the workforce um from what we had when when we went in there were some good coaches in there um but that you know equally there were some that weren't um gonna progress the players that we wanted so that was like probably like the biggest sort of challenge Mm. and again getting everyone on on the same page and delivering what like in line with like the syllabus and um in line with like the playing philosophy as well so they, they were probably like the sort of biggest challenges that we sort of faced at the start mm. and just to, just within that obviously you know it's, it's a conversation i'm having with a few coaches at the moment with a club that i'm supporting that the importance of having that syllabus um 
Do you have any considerations around how the syllabus could be impacted by the recruitment of coaches or vice versa? Because obviously, you know, you get some environments where coaches, they come into the environment, they've got their B licence, and now they just want to come and be, you know, be their own boss in, the, in, in another environment. And it's like, well, it doesn't work like that. You're coming into work here. You know yeah, I mean, there's a way that we want to work and there's a way that we want to do things. But it's like, well, yeah, but I want, I want to be the next Guardiola. Yeah, but not not here, you're not. <laughs> we've got we've got a process. Because Pep Guardiola works with Premier League international players that are a completely different level to little Johnny who's under 11. So, yeah, you need coaches that, you know, are going to work with players of, of that age and maturation, don't you? And it's... But I think more from, more from a perspective of them understanding there is a process in place here. Mm. There is, there's got to be some element of creative freedom for the coaches to explore. Yeah. But fundamentally, there's a structure and, 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 a, and a way that we want to work. And you know, where my question comes from specifically is looking at, right, you're facing the challenge of, well, you've got the qualifications, but maybe you're not necessarily at the right standard. Mm. Um, or you've got the qualifications, but actually... You might be of the right standard, but you don't you don't align with the way that we want player development yeah. to look like in this environment. What, what what does that look like for you in terms of coming across that challenge and how you've maybe had to deal with that? I think um, ultimately you've got to have everyone going in like the same direction. I think going back to the old centre of excellence days when it was just an under 18s coach and you know, someone doing um, a bit of office admin, then the coaches had the freedom then because there was no phase leads, no heads of coaching. They could come and they could coach what they want. So if they felt, I remember there was uh, a curriculum, I guess, that you could like pick from, but there was no time element of what, you know, you, you need to spend two weeks on building out from the back or, um creating and finishing the final third you just did what you want so that's how it how it like used to be you know it was up to the individual coaches but then like you'd have players that came through like a system perhaps of like coaches that preferred doing like block practices all the time um and then you know you'd see the players come from that be technically really good but then like weren't great decision makers or ones you know vice versa um where, where they're all doing like game related stuff and then like no technical stuff and then so coaches could do do what they wanted then um i think having a syllabus and everyone sort of working towards that is probably the more preferred approach i guess in my opinion so everyone's working on on the same sort of page but within that um you, there's got to be freedom for coaches to to put on practices and design practices that fit in in line with that syllabus and and those topics that you know are coached on monday you know 26 of november or something so that's you know other otherwise like if you design i mean again i've been in an environment before where in an e where they designed 
um, all the sessions for you. So you had to go and deliver that session. I think that's for me, that's boring for the coach. You might as well just be a robot and then never going to learn and think, hang on, if I didn't put on that practice and it's not quite worked, you know, I think as coaches, you, you become like obsessed with like failures. And for me, mm. that's like my sort of big learning that, you know, if, if I've done a session, it's not worked. I'll think about it on the way home. I think about it trying to go go to sleep, and that's where I'll learn as a coach. Yeah, I mean, but that's so so individual, right? Because mm. I don't know if every coach does look at it in that way and deal with it in that way. Like I'm 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 like that in, in many respects. In that I don't even wait till after the session. I'm looking at it in the moment and thinking, man, that was that was that wasn't good enough. Or yeah, I need to get this. I need to. This needs to be better right now. Mm. Um, you know, so you're you know you're you're giving an a reference that. You know, some coaches maybe do the reflection after the session. I don't even think some people do it. And then, you know, then it, it also then makes you think, like, if I'm having to tell you what practices to deliver, to an extent, what I'm really saying is I don't trust you. Basically, yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah. Um, and, or, and almost that I would deliver this session, but I can't for all age groups, isn't it? So. It, yeah, <laughs> you're just here. I'm going to make sure you do exactly what I want. Then, yeah, but, the, there's, but there's, I no think there's also it. some merit in in recognizing and understanding experience, right? And appreciating mm. experience in that. Oh, I know this is going to help the players get better to do this. Just go and coach, you know. And I've I've, I've seen other I've been involved in other academies where they they, they do prescribe the practices, yeah, um, and the rationale behind it is more along the lines of look if we give you the practices to coach it takes the pressure off you in terms of designing the practice and just focus on actually delivering the detail yeah which which i get to an extent yeah and but then I, it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's then assuming that the coach has the detail to go with it yeah and i've done it before um in a role where i did put practices out there but i made a point of look listen here's a practice that you know is hopefully what good looks like um you you can deliver that because you might be and, and it's recognition that they've got a full-time job you know they're rushing in fr from the from that job into like perhaps get changed have something to eat and then straight into training they may not have even had the time to consider planning a session so You've got something there that it can deliver if if that's the case, but also, you know, this is the topic. Put a practice on that reflects that, and then there's there's the ownership as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it swings in both ways, doesn't it? Hundred percent. So let, let's just um, you know, move, move forward. Obviously, your time at Wolves has come to an end. Um, mm -hmm. Where, where, where's next for you? What, where do you see yourself going? Are you, are you looking to stay in the coach development? Are you looking to delve back into coaching specifically? What, what, you know, who is Lee Rostin? Is he a coach or is he a coach developer? I, I think I'm both. Um, if if that can, if that can be the case, I think, um, I think it, it's it's one of those when you start out your journey. I I remember doing my level one and seeing the. And, and speaking to the tutor and he had an A licence and that was the goal, you know, to be an A licence and I'd love to be like a, a level one tutor. And you kind of get 
towards these like milestones and one of my milestones was to be a head of coaching and and you get there and you're almost like you're always and, and again this goes back to like coaches want to get to the next qualif- next qualification it's having like that sort of plan isn't it and then like working towards it but then you you get to like do all those sort of things eventually if you, you work hard enough and you're lucky enough perhaps you know and then you'll you sort of think well what next um and I kind of feel a little bit at that stage I think um at times when you're sort of head of coaching you, you're sort of running a program you're you're watching observing a lot of coaches and I feel like almost now it's taken the pressure off a little bit that well, I don't need to think about next qualification next role and that I can just like sort of sit back and relax and I've gone back into um working in primary schools the last week and, and not been in them for you know a good seven years or so and it's um I'm just enjoying coaching at the minute just being on the grass and like almost like revisiting sort of things I've done in in the past mm. and I feel like I've got like a sort of freedom to to go where I want to now and not feel that I'm pressurizing myself to like do the next role do the next qualification so I'm keeping open open-minded about it and just just enjoying coaching at the minute and perhaps like getting a bit more sort of family time as well I think mm. you know in the football industry um it's so all-consuming you know to get that balance of family life and and it's, coaching. it's such a it's, challenge such a challenge, such a challenge. but what, what, I, I definitely what, what, see what, what, with like sort of coaches as well sometimes like they sort of finish up in a role and and you know you're like well I don't want to go back to to doing schools I don't want to go back to to being a part-time coach and that because you know I've done all those before um but it's like if you love coaching you know coaches coaching you'll you'll just carry on because sometimes yeah. people they just they'll go do you know what, I'll just I'm fed up with a football industry I'll go and do something do, else do you, know, but... do you know what I think there's something so subtle in what you've just said there and I think if you read it and reading between the lines is that you need to go to an environment and a, and a role that's right for you yeah and it's such a it's such a, a dog eat dog world in that everyone's trying to get to the top, yeah, or or get to the ideal role, and everyone wants to work in the PDP, and not everyone is actually you know maybe a, a PDP coach, and but they want to work in the PDP because it's full time and it's typically getting more money than the YDP or the FP lead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So there is there is that kind, there is that battle that you have to face, right? Um. But I think you've got to find the environment that's right for you. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I look at it and, and I see certain roles and I say, do you know what, that the, the, role look, the role is a great one. The role looks like a great one. But I don't think the club's right for me. Yeah. Because that piece is so important, right? And you talk about having that work-life balance and it's, we, we have to, to an extent, accept that the nature of the beast is that you're going to have a challenge finding that in the football industry. Mm. and if you if you can accept that and just recognize that it is what it is that is the that is the 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 path you're choosing to go down if you like what are the things that will make it easier and better to deal with and manage i.e the environment you're working in yeah the people you're working around the you know the 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 the, the culture of the place that you're going into and, and and all of these subtle things that I think people often take for granted because all they've seen is the job title. Yeah. 
and I think sometimes you know you even, you even look at it with, with with people going into the game at senior level and you think to yourself, why the hell did you take that job that job is that job is poisonous like that there's <laughs> there's been no one of any success in that role for the last yeah. 15 years what makes you think it was going to be different for you yeah. and it's and it's sometimes you can actually look at certain situations and you think yeah you you were destined to fail the moment you went into that job because everyone has yeah there's a toxic environment there and it's mm-hmm. but and i and i get it you've got to take an opportunity when it comes but you've also got to yeah. look at the opportunity and say is it the right one Mm. is it the right one am i trading off too much just to go for the opportunity that's really got little to no reward on the back end of it yeah um, so I, th- I think there is that challenge so, i mean i say people that people will just, go into well, roles won't they because like you said it's an opportunity it's it looks good on the cv perhaps doesn't it um or you know, the, it look the, good money, the money's months better later. than like working in such and such and that. But again, you know, you've got to be in an environment that like fits your sort of values and beliefs, because ultimately you won't be happy. Um, and if you know if that environment doesn't fit with those, then you know you're not going to be able to stay there long term, are you? So it, it's searching for a balance of of everything, isn't it? I guess. Like, well, I think it's also before that. It's it's actually not knowing yourself and understanding well what environment would make me happy yeah what do i need for me to be flourishing in an environment and to feel comfortable and not comfortable in the sense of you're just relaxing but comfortable in the sense of actually i'm not under pressures that i shouldn't be under if that makes sense yeah uh, and i think that piece is so important so i guess you know and i and i, and I say that's a really kind of highlight to the point because i touched on it earlier i think the generation of coaches is getting younger and younger and younger and, and I think it's brilliant that, you know, you're seeing people come into coaching at your earlier age. But I also think they've got, you know, they've got, they've got their blinkers on. Yeah. You know I mean, they, they don't they always know what they're walking into. And I think it's really important that, you know, if, if, if any coach is not necessarily a young coach, but a, a coach who's relatively new to the industry, shall we say. Mm. If you're coming into this industry, you need to know what you're walking into. Don't think it's, it's not- all... No. You know, don't think you're going to be Pep Guardiola on the sidelines because that, 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 that journey is probably 15, 20, 30 years away if you're lucky. Yeah, and it's hard to get the balance right to like not dampen their expectations as well because, like you said, they come in all sort of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and, and think that they're going to work in this like fantasy industry that it's like, you know, you're going to get this job and then you're going to go up and level on that. Well, really, it's not. Mm. It's, it's rise and fall. And you're going and to I think the biggest sometimes. challenge for them is that they often, and we talk about this all the time, right, in, in that learning and player development, it's not linear. But no, they come into it thinking, yeah, everything's linear. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. No. I'm going to get my level one. I'm going to get my UHSC or level two. I'm going to jump straight on my UFB. I'm going to get my master's degree alongside it and my undergrad alongside it. And then I'm going to go do my A license. I've been, you know, I've got all these qualifications and why can't I get on the next qualification? Because you're not ready. Yeah. Exactly. You're just not ready. And, and, yeah. and, you know, fair play. You've gone, managed to go and get what you've ever done. And then when that, when that happens, oh, well, um, let's knock the uh, association that I didn't get on with. Let's go and jump shit to another association or let's go do it yeah. around the world. And uh, I can now say I'm a B licensed coach, but yeah, but you've got a B license in, 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 in the corner of Oman. Yeah. Like, there, there has to be some kind of, you know, realistic, realistic element of what, what you're doing. It's not as simple as just go from A to B all the time. Sometimes, actually, some people, you know, I, I can fortunately say that I've never been in a situation where 
you know, I, I did obviously level one straightforward. Level two, when, when I did mine, it was still straightforward. In fact, when I did my level two, probably similar to yourself, you didn't actually need a level one. You could go straight into level two. Yeah. Um, UA for B, thankfully, managed to get it on it, apply first time. Same with the A license, same with AYA, same with the goalkeeping courses in terms of level two and B license. So I've, I've been quite fortunate. I also appreciate and understand that that's not everyone's journey, but it's almost... If you have a delay in your journey, just look at it as a temporary roadblock. Yeah, you know, you know it's going to be. You, you know, if, if you keep trying, if you wait, wait long enough, that eventually the road will be fixed. It's having that bounce back ability, isn't it? And like dealing with the failure of it, of like not being able to get on that qualification or or not passing that course first time. Um, it you know as it was in the past, and and being able to like just become obsessed with like why why you didn't and then keep going and keep going and and you know i've always found like something's sort of gone wrong and you've not managed to to get on i think it was like eight times it took me to get on the a license or something so you just you just keep going and find a way it's you know but if you if you love coaching you'll you'll stay within it anyway mm -hmm. and i think like just you know it's you'll just keep going with it but as long as you keep going, you'll probably find you, you get to where you want to be in the end anyway. Just enjoy the scenery <laughs> while you get yeah, just, there. Just to build on that then, Lee, you know, a final question for you, really. You've been doing this for a hell of a long time now. <laughs> if you could go back and speak to yourself at the start of this journey, that, that dad just stepping into coaching, knowing what you know now, what, what, what would be one thing you'd want to tell yourself? To just enjoy it and don't like, don't make too many milestones and goals because football, you're just going to, it'll take you anywhere anyway. I don't think you can look at it and go, oh, I want to do this role and that role. Oh, no, I don't want to work in this side of the game and that. You, you've just got to go with the flow really because it'll take you there anyway. Like you say, it doesn't it doesn't progress linear, does it? You you're gonna like have moments where you you don't want to do it anymore, and you think like, oh, this industry maybe it's not for me. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy coaching, getting better at coaching, and the rest will take care of itself. I think. Amazing, amazing. No, it's been a it's been a fantastic conversation, Ellie, and I think I think for me it's really important for coaches to engage with different content and I think in this in, the, in this form it's brilliant because obviously I, you know I've had the opportunity to speak to so many different coaches um hear their different journeys hear the different learnings those that have gone into coaching as parents um and kind of just been caught with the bug um but no I think I think the, I think one of the biggest things and I think most important things that you, you you've kind of referred to constantly throughout this conversation and it can be used in so many different ways is that bounce back ability yeah it's it's understanding that it's not always going to go to plan it's yeah. not always going to but then also you know be flexible within that because if you if you're too headstrong and you're too set in your ways and have a black and white this is how it's got to be you're probably going to get disappointed quite a lot <laughs> yeah um so i think it's have a plan A, but understand that, you know what? What are my parameters? 
what can I work with? What can I not, you know, what, what, what and it doesn't just, not in terms of just delivering a session, in terms of your career path, in terms of all of that, right? It's just understanding, well, it, it comes back to that piece you talk about in the qualification. You know, what's your rationale? Why do you want that? Yeah. Because if that, if that why is big enough, then I think that bounce back ability becomes a lot easier to gain. 100%. Definitely. So, but no, it's been a massive pleasure, Lee. I hope you've enjoyed yeah, it as much as I have, that, man. Yes. Excellent. Awesome. Well, I wish you, I wish you all the luck with your uh, with your journey going forward. Um, whether it's in coach development or coaching, uh, but no, been a great, great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Brilliant. Thanks very much. And kios. Take care. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.